I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Today on Exploring the Prophetic Podcast, we have Ryan Romeo, who is one of the founders of this movement called The Outcry, which if you haven't heard of it, it's just they have some of the best events that have happened in modern history for Christianity because they've combined some of the greatest, the greatest speakers, and they don't just do their, you know, their speaking circuit tour. They actually are trying to really touch God and really touch people in in an amazing way. And they've had over 900,000 people attend the Outcry events. And this has combined everything from like Lauren Daigle. This is one of the first places she appeared to Bethel, to Jesus culture, to Hillsong, to elevation worship, and combining the speakers as well, the pastors of those movements together to speak and just see something happen that is just phenomenal. They've had over 50,000 people give their lives to Jesus through the outcry. And that's a move of God itself because it's only been going since 2014. So the fact that they've had 50,000 people give their lives to Jesus because of worship and anointed messages is amazing. Well, Ryan has just released a new book. He's uh, obviously the, he's heading the outcry with uh, his partner in crime, Shane, who's an amazing man from Jesus Culture I've met uh, several times. And he and his wife, Blake, they live in Arizona with their three children. And we're having this conversation during the corona lockdown. So the lockdown will probably be released right around the time this episode comes out. I don't think our children are going to interrupt us, but uh, you never know. <laughs> Real life happens. He has three kids. I have two kids. We'll see what happens. We're, we're doing this from home, not from the studio. But I just so enjoy who he is and his perspective on dreaming with God. I think you're going to get a lot out of how he came up with his portion of, of launching the outcry. It's just such a phenomenal story. So come join the conversation. We want to hear from you as well. So please online, tell us what you're thinking about exploring the prophetic. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to hear from you. If it's your 50th time or 100th time listening, we want to hear from you. So make sure to email us at info at bullsministries.com or leave a review. We'd love to hear uh, what you're thinking and let it also be heard by other people as well. Hey, Exploring the Prophetic Family, we have an incredible new resource for you. My new book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations is out now. I wrote this book so that you would have a very specific tool to help you use words to define your own history and future with God. Throughout human history, we've seen prayer and the prophetic and declarations shape society, set culture, provide heritage, and bring vision for the future. And when you combine prayers, declarations, and prophecies like you encounter in this book, you become even more intentional about the power of words. Prophecies, prayers, and declarations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. This book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations, will cover topics in finances, resources, family, influence, favor, business, and more. Through this book, I'm inviting you on the journey of learning how to use words to speak in the very fabric of your life, the spiritual realm, and the world around you. I pray that you'll find yourself using and reusing this book as you hear God speak to your heart. You can get our book anywhere books are sold, but if you get it at bullsministries.com and you pre-order it or post-order it, you're going to get a very exclusive teaching series. So I want to encourage you to get it there. I'm excited today because we have Ryan Romeo on the show, and Ryan is... Uh, many things, but one of the things that he's been known for is being one of the co-founders and creative directors of Outcry, which if you haven't heard of Outcry, it's been everywhere. You guys have reached so many people. I keep seeing over, you know, this last season, like 
ads will come up in different social medias. I'm like, I want to go to that. It's so awesome. You guys bring the best of the best people together and just have a party with Jesus. Yeah. It's amazing. But uh, how are you doing? Doing fine, Sean. I'm really thankful to be on. And uh, I'm holding up in my son's room, which is my makeshift office right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I, if our kids interrupt us, this is being recorded during the quarantine. So if we get interrupted by kids, that'll be part of the charm of the show because my two happen. little girls are running around. <laughs> I even have like a back uh, back house in the property that we sometimes record in. And I thought that would be better. But actually, when I record in there, they get more interested to come back and hear and see what I'm doing. So Peering if I'm just in the in window. Mobile, yes. Totally. Oh, like, absolutely. Dad, dad, dad. <laughs> it's just the times. It's just the times. This is what we've got. We got kids running around while we're trying to work. Awesome. And it's fine. I, I love it. I think it's just everyone's kind of getting an inside view of everyone else's like personal life in a way because we're seeing each other in our homes. And if, you're, yeah. if it's video or if it's audio, you're just hearing like the life around people, which is so cool. Well, yeah. let's talk right away about just, I mean, you guys founded this incredible thing called The Outcry and you guys have reached yeah. so many people already. What, where did this come from? Yeah, this is one of those things that it's like, you know, it, it you can kind of summarize it real quick. But when I look back over my life, I go, there were 8,000 different little things that led me into that realm. Um, but ultimately, I... I found myself very crazily working for a guy named David Crowder uh, when I was in college. And I I lived in Tucson, Arizona. It was not the Bible Belt. I didn't know Crowder personally, um, but I had kind of reached out to him about potentially needing somebody to do some web design or graphic design. And crazily, he got back to me <laughs> and and, uh, and he said, sure, if you come up with some ideas, we'd love to look at it. And um so I, I worked real hard, cranked out some, some, uh, some flash websites, which at the time flash websites were like oh, the huge. thing, you know? yeah. <laughs> animated oh, websites. Like, wow, you got a flash website. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, he had an album out at the time called Remedy. And so I, I did some design around the kind of weird green illustrations that he had and, um, and sent it to him and he shot back to me, said, we love it. Um, let's move forward. And my next email was with Shelly Giglio and started working with 268. And I had never met any of these people. And ultimately, Sean, like I had felt even when I first got saved, I got saved when I was in high school and I was listening to a delirious album, which is dating me, uh, <laughs> called called Live 97, which was just one of my favorite. I mean, I loved Delirious. If you were like a Christian in the 90s in the worship oh, world. That's all like, you listen to. Yeah, yeah it's like all you listen to. And, um, and I really felt like the Lord gave me this insight that I would be working with events like that. And I just really felt like it was a very Joseph-like thing, you know, like when Joseph receives the word from the Lord and it's like, you're going to be a man of great influence but I'm not going to tell you how you're going to get there or how long it's going to take you to get there or even what you're going to be doing when you get there. Um, that was kind of my story. I felt like the Lord was just saying live worship events. This is something you're going to be working in. Um, and I call it uh, a, a kind of a prophetic echo of what was about to come. Um, and I wasn't sure how it was going to happen. And I started working with Crowder, you know, years later and I thought, man, this is maybe it, you know, and but now, for, did you have any concerns? I'm just being honest. Like his live work events are not known for being extremely successful or financially viable. Yeah. And those, I mean, almost everybody I've ever known who did a season of live worship events was like burned out and dead at the end. Like they're oh. just like, I'm tired. And yeah. this thing is hard. It's a monster. Like, did you have this like 
going into it? Was it like, I'm going to bleed to death for this? Or was it more like, God, you're asking me to do this. And so I say yes. Yes, it felt a little bit more like the latter. I mean, I, I, I'm i an introvert. I really love thinking. I really love writing. I, you know, like I, this is, I, I'm a musician, um, uh, worship leader. Like those are the things that for me were kind of identity anchors for me previous to this. And um, and as the Lord started to reveal to me some of these things, it was like, I, I, you know, he like always saw more in me than I saw in myself. And um, and started pulling things out. And it felt a little reluctant because I knew what, what it was going to take. And um, I actually, I tried a couple of live events before Outcry that really crashed and burned. They failed miserably. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, they were, they were not, I mean, uh, I, I actually just came out with a, a book and in the book, I talk about the failures of those. But I mean, one of them, I had like 30 people come when I thought a thousand people were going to come, you know? Oh, that's so painful and but the i've been there just, though, I understand. so when i say that I don't, i'm not projecting on you i'm saying i've oh, been there it's painful anybody in ministry has been there and even when they <laughs> think they've arrived and moved past it they will get there again at some point yeah, yeah, um, like, I'm all of our money and time and energy into this one and it dies yeah, so yes I've been there. oh yeah so yeah i felt a little bit reluctant going into it like lord are you sure you know there's especially when an event like this, like something like this is, is uh, like a dream. You feel like God gave you, um, everybody could look at you, you know, kind of sideways, like, Oh, well, everyone dreams of that sort of thing, you know, like, you know, yeah. do you really understand how hard That's it is? Then, yes. I wanna, you want to stop there real fast because I think, especially with hearing from God, because it's such a, you know, it's such a weird thing that the, the people who normally hear from God are those people outside the, normal church walls that are kind of weird that don't fit very well in the church. And so when you hear from God about something that's really big, a lot of your, our friends, I've, I had it happen to, especially when I was starting, they're like, you want to do what? There's yeah. people who are already doing that. And you're like basically never going to be as good as them. And these are the good yeah. voices in my life at times. No, not sure. all of them, but I think it's so amazing that you're saying that because I think a lot of people have a dream in their heart that they can almost disqualify because even if they've heard from God, because of they compare. So yep. keep going. I, I just had to stop there for a second because Absolutely. I think you've Absolutely. led what you're leading and, and you've had some failures and you've had some places that didn't work. It's good for people to hear that because you've, I mean, you guys have had 900,000, almost a million people come to your events. Yes. Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's true. And I, I think there's a lot of, I mean, uh, again, kind of writing this last book that I wrote is like, what do you do when you have a big dream from God is really what it's about. And I talk about that in there. Some of the spiritual wow. leaders in my life that I really loved and I still really love and I still really look up to, they were also a voice in a season of going, well, I don't know, Ryan, that seems kind of big, you know, like that seems a little unreasonable. Um, and there is always a moment for people when they're pursuing something that they believe God gave them where you're kind of going out alone. There's that moment where you're kind of going, okay, Lord, if you're with me, I need you to be with me um, because because what you're telling me is a little bit audacious People around me are maybe not seeing it through the same lens that I'm seeing it. And you have to kind of start, you have to step out on the water at that one point, you know? And that was for me, there were many of those moments for me where people were going, Ryan, you've had nothing in your life that's really led toward that. Other than like working with Crowder and that sort of thing was so great, but it was doing graphic design. It was not starting yeah. these big worship events, you know? And I, rem I, I had a season of doing graphic design for him and I worked with Carrie Job and a few other people. And I had a season where I felt so close to this dream that, and this calling I felt like God had for me. 
but yet so far. Like I was working in the realm that I felt like God was saying I was going to be working in, but not doing the thing that I thought. And at the time I was a worship leader and I thought, man, if I'm going to be doing big worship events, I must be leading worship at these big events. That's just kind of what I thought. That was the filter of experience mm -hmm. that I was bringing to yeah. the word. And, um, and God really started shifting things. And one day I was, it was 2009, the economy was really bad. And I did to me what was like kind of giving up. And I went to my daddy owns an engineering company. And I was like, dad, I need a job. And he put me in, put me in charge of his manufacturing. I started overseeing manufacturing and I was going, God, why am I here? Like, it just feels like you have forgotten me. Um, I was working with Excel spreadsheets. I'm like, I'm a creative person. Why am I doing this? Um, I, I was firing people for like smoking oh. pot during this, you know, like I'm going, what is this world that I'm in right now? Wow. And I finished a meeting and, um, and I walked out and I was feeling real, just real disappointed. And, um, and I got a call and it said Shane quick. And I had met Shane through Crowder and Shane was uh, a guy who started working at the time. He had just started working with Jesus culture, kind of helped them launch their conferences. And I had yeah. interacted with him and he called me and he said, you know, I've just thought of you as a you know, graphic designer and uh, creative. And he said, I'm thinking of starting a worship leader conference called Outcry. What do you think? And it just hit something in me. Like, I don't know if you or anybody listening has ever felt that like pent up, like I have this fire in my bones and I've been yeah. working a day job that I can't let anything out. And all of a sudden somebody asked me something that's right in my passion level. And I'm like, yes, wow. here are 8 million things that I would love to see happen. And we talked for about an hour and a half. And at the end of it, he said, hey, um, we're, we're doing a conference with Jesus Culture in L.A., uh, why don't you come out and let's keep talking about it. And that started about a four-year process of praying and talking and um, really honing in on, okay, feel like God's leading me to a live event, but why? What do I want to see with this event? Yeah. What does Shane want to see with this event? And we really started to catch vision for unity. Like unity became this huge thing for us um, that, you know, Psalm 133, they're like the, the God commands a blessing on that unity and there's something so anointed and special about unity at the head, you know, unity in the leaders, unity in the influencers. And yeah. for me, I had been working with Passion and Crowder and Carrie, and Shane had been working with Hillsong United and Jesus Culture. And we kind of just looked at each other like, hey, why don't we pull these streams together? Um and that was really kind of the birthplace of the idea of Outcry. Like, okay, the why is that the church is this beautiful, unstoppable force. Everybody's saying the church is dying and in decline, but but we know that the church is winning at the end. You know, we we know the end of the story, and so that became yeah. our heartbeat. Like, okay, this is it. We're going to champion the local church. We're going to champion unity. We're going to be worship centered, and we're going to preach the gospel. Like that was the big, big thing for us. And and one day, and this is really four years, like I'm glossing over so much that happened, no, uh, so but, a, but a lot of slogging through, like trying to come up with vision and praying and trying to hone it, hone it down and talking to people that went nowhere. And there were so many of those sort of moments, even though we had all the connections, it just, God had not, God had not signed off on it yet. Like it was not time yet. And one day I was sitting, um, 
at my brother's wedding and he was getting married in California. And so we were kind of, we were out in California in San Francisco and got a call from Shane and he said, I just got off the phone um, with Joel Houston and Hillsong United wants to do a tour in America, but they don't want to do a Hillsong tour. He's like, what if we turned Outcry into a tour? And Sean, we had never talked about it really being a tour. We had always been like, maybe it's a conference. Maybe it's a, you know, this one event that felt way safer, you know? And to me, I was going, okay, well, let's, we prayed and we're like, okay, well, let's float this to Joel and see what he says. And we both kind of agreed if Joel Houston says yes, <laughs> then we are going to invite everybody that in our little black book, you know, which people don't use little <laughs> black books anymore. Um, we're going to invite everybody that we know to this thing and just throw all caution to the wind. And we're just going to just bring as many people as possible. And, um, and that's exactly what happened. And two weeks later, we had the yes from Hillsong United. We had the yes from Bethel. We had the yes from Jesus Culture. We had the yes from Carrie Job. Um, we got a rough album from a, a new singer named Jer uh, named um, Lauren Daigle, and uh, he took a quote risk on Lauren Daigle and brought her out. And, <laughs> and we hit the road, and it felt like we blinked, and all of a sudden we had ten to twenty thousand people a night. Um, we we just, I mean, you looking back, it was both the most beautiful thing I'd ever done, and the hardest thing I had ever done in my life. And I, remember, I think it's so good for people to hear that, though. I'm just going to wrap for a yeah. second because I think, like, before you guys were really doing Outcry, there are some streams that just didn't mix, you know, as far as speakers, mm -hmm. as far as they love each other from afar, but there's not, like, a relational connect point. And I felt like yes. when you guys did Outcry, like, I mean, I was at Bethel doing a conference with Brian Houston right after that with, you know, Bill Johnson. And I was speaking there, like, just different, like, all of a sudden we're merging and you guys were having, you know, Stephen Burdick, who's now done stuff with Bethel Music. You guys were having like yeah. so many different um, camps were coming together because worship, I think, is one of our most beautiful common denominators. I know Brian and Katie Turwalt from yeah. Jesus Culture Music, when they released Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome here right before that time, I think it was. Yeah. Um, people were seeing it in little Methodist churches and cessationist churches that don't believe that the Holy Spirit yeah. can come. You know, they just think he's like this yeah. force or this power somewhere. And they're singing these songs and these worship songs are causing the body of Christ to have moments together. Like Carrie Job's new song, The Blessing, I think is so yes. profound. And it, it was released during quarantine and lockdown. If you haven't heard it, go and look at it um, through Hillsong. It was just amazing. But I think it's really interesting because it's one of the nut top worship songs ever released. And it was released during quarantine. There's like no market for it, but people needed the song. And that's yeah. the power of worship. So I know you guys... Yeah. Sometimes people see these events, they don't realize there's so much purpose in them. And also that you guys behind the scenes are paying such a price. You're having yeah. like this dreamer heart. I mean, I'm yeah. glad you wrote a book on this, because, not on this, but on dreaming because <laughs> yeah. to be able to uh, you start from one place and then come all this way and Shane as well. I mean, like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, keep going. I just wanted it's, to interject. In yeah, and it is. It's crazy. I mean, and I think when we first started it out, I mean... Not, not to pick on them, but Bethel was the one that people were like, what? You're going to have Bethel out with Hillsong? Like, how so how is that going to work, you know? And again, some of the naysayers that I'm going, yes, logically, you make a ton of sense. Um, but there was this, again, this kind of like fire in the bone sort of passion for us of like, we don't care. We don't even care if we, like in the back of my mind, I'm going, they might start arguing on tour or something. Like, And I just kind of was <laughs> like, I don't even care. Like, I just think that there is that God commands a blessing on unity that we've, there's been this sort of season where we're waiting for unity to come, you know, 
fully around. And this is 2014. And I think it's way more common now. But at the time, you know, we had conversations with leadership when we were going into it that they were asking very good questions going, how is this possibly going to work? And all we knew really was just that we felt like the Lord had given us this thumbs up. And and there wasn't, you know, there had been so much hard work going into it. Um, I think so many people say like, you know, if the Lord is in it, that basically it's just going to happen. And I will say yes, to a certain extent, it's true. But there was so much say, hard work. I would say there's very few things in life that drop down from heaven directly. Absolutely. God's like, I've given you the ability to produce these things. So we yeah, had worked for years and years and yeah. years. You know, by the time Outcry started, I would say, like, if you just took a snapshot of the month before Outcry, yes, it was like I felt like we hit a point where we couldn't stop Outcry even if we wanted to. Um, it just created this like gravity all of its own. But the years leading up to that, and even when I said it was, you know, one of the most beautiful things, it was also one of the hardest things. And you know, I'm like, I'm not a tour dog. I don't like live out on the road. This is not my normal thing. And I like being home. I like hanging out with my wife and, you know, watching our show at night. Like th these are things that really I like, I love doing. This was uncomfortable for me. And you get crammed onto a bus with 12 other people. You're like, you have no privacy, you know, you're showering in gang showers in these arenas. And so it's, it was not my favorite. And there were many times where I was just breaking down, crying. I missed my family. They were breaking down, crying. And, um, but at the end of the day, I knew the Lord was behind it, and and I knew that God was in it. And by the time it took off the ground, it was just like, okay, Lord, I I believe you now. You know, it was almost twenty years from the point when I felt like God said He that I was going to be a part of some event like that to it really coming to fruition. And looking back on my life, it was funny. Like one of the things that we would run into so much is we had a hundred people on tour, we would hire a hundred people in every city we went into. We had 12 buses, four semis. It was about the size of Katy Perry's first tour. Um, and we were severely understaffed. We really did not know what it was going to be like. And, um, one of the things I started doing was pulling up Excel spreadsheets. The thing I was doing when I was in manufacturing and I thought God had forgotten about me, you know, like I started pulling up these things and I started looking back over my life going, Oh God, I see it. Like I know, I know now in hindsight in the rearview mirror why I went through that season because I right. needed to have this foundation by the time I went out that, man, now I could pull from different sides. And yes, I was posting exciting things on Instagram, but behind the scenes, I was waking up and filling out Excel spreadsheets and talking to our finance people. And, you know, like that was real life for me. And um, I was so thankful that God pulled me through that season, you know. Yeah. Well, give me uh, what was as far as if you would look at those years of uh, just doing this so far, what are like your one or two favorite takeaways or highlights that happened for you personally? Not the big picture for what happened for everybody else, yeah. but just so people could hear when you go on this God journey and you say yes to something that's so big and ominous, yeah. what, how does that affect your life? Like what are the, what were the benefits? What were the places of God that grew? Oh man. I, again, I think God saw something in me that I didn't see. It was very much like, you know, say Moses, I want you to speak. And he's going, don't you know, I stutter. Like, that's how I felt. And I was behind the scenes and I wasn't leading worship. And I kind of, you know, I've mentioned this earlier, but it's, that was one of the things I thought was going to happen. Yeah. And w one night, you know, we were sitting backstage and we, um, again, I, I only lead in like local church settings. So that's my day job is local church. So that's kind of all I know. And um, 
when we started Outcry, I thought, let's just pull everyone together. We'll do like a big Bible study basically before each night, which I didn't know how weird that was at the time. I just thought this is normal, right? Like we'll just pull everyone together. So we pulled, we would pull everyone together every night and, um, and they were so awkward. I mean, we would have, you know, Jen Johnson in the room. We'd have David Crowder in the room, like Louis Giglio would stop by and they were incredibly awkward. And I felt like, like, it's one thing to go through an awkward moment. It's another thing to pull all of your heroes and then run them through an awkward moment, like, and do it <laughs> night after night. <laughs> And I remembered, I remember one night we were doing a Q&A with, uh, with uh, Hillsong and everybody. We do like Q&As before with, with some people who had like VIP passes or whatever. And um, JD from Hillsong said one time in one of his answers said, yeah, the guys at, Hills, or at, at Outcry, they make us do these really awkward <laughs> prayer services. And I thought, oh, no, like they're so bad that he's like telling everyone now, like oh, he's no. making it public. And <laughs> But we just, we were tenacious. We kind of just kept going. And one night um, we finished worship and I, I just had this moment where I'm like, we just really need to hear from the Lord. And we had been saying things like that. We've been saying all the right things. It just, the ice wasn't broken yet. And I said, does anybody feel like they've heard anything from the Lord? And when you're in a room and you say a, a phrase like that, and you're not sure how they're going to take it. Like every second you wait in silence is like slow death. And I was sitting there and I really was like, I'm going to give this like 20 seconds. You know, I'm like, does anyone feel like they're hearing from the Lord? And I'm like 20, 19, 18 in my head, you know. And right at the end, right when it was starting to get real awkward, Carrie Jo raised her hand. Um, and she said, I think I have a prophetic word for Crowder. Is he in here? And David and his wife, Tony, were in the corner and he raised his hand and she shared this word. And it was so amazing. It was so timely. It was so like a blessing on a worship father that was with us that really influenced so many people in the room. And Jen Johnson was there and Joel Houston and Taya Smith was there. And they were like, let's lay hands on Crowder. And everyone came around Tony and his wife and were just like prophesying and praying over them. And that to me was this moment of like, ah, oh, like this is kind of why I'm here. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me like, Ryan, I'm calling you to lead on this tour, not just to show up, not just to wish you were leading worship, not just to, you know, like make sure the logistics and creative is coming together. But I want you to lead where there's no cameras. I want you to lead the influencers that scare you. And I want you to lead them to come together. And it was one of the scariest times I'd ever heard from the Lord. To me, I'm going, that's like my worst nightmare. I don't feel like I'm a good speaker. I don't feel like I'm like, these are all my weaknesses. I feel like, God, you're asking me to operate in. And at the end of that wow. tour, I felt this one word from the Lord and I've carried it with me ever since. And I felt like we finished, you know, and I, I tried my best to lead those rooms, but some nights I tried too hard. Some nights I didn't try hard enough. And I finished all of those nights kind of feeling the regret of like, man, I wish I was better at this. And God said, you just need to step out in confidence and you need to be confident in your calling, not on your ability. And, and that for me, that first season of Outcry was everything. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to walk into this room with really scary people <laughs> and I'm going to lead. You know, if, if Christine Kane's in the room, I'm going to lead. If Stephen Furtick is in the room, I'm going to lead because you've called me to do that. And this is my little sphere that you're calling me to wow. lead and I'm going to do it with confidence. And honestly, it was like, I was never the same after that. And so God led me down a bunch of different things, developed things in me I never thought I would ever have. 
um, and even writing books, things like that. I never thought I would do that. Um, but God's been so faithful to pull things out of me that I never, never dreamed that I would be able to walk in, you know? This is so cool. I'm just, I love the story because I think so many of us, you know, are walking through, um, a place of, you know, there's, there's a big dream and there's the unlimited impossible <laughs> circumstances in front of us. Maybe yes. someone's working like a normal job that they don't think is and normal could be like, they want to be own a coffee shop or be a manager of a coffee shop and they're working for a printing press. You know, so it's not normal. Doesn't mean it has to be ministry, but they hear your process. And I just think like, I've, I feel like God's taking me through many times processes. I wouldn't have chosen to get to a, a an indirect route to a very direct purpose, but it's because he was training me, like you were saying, those spreadsheets, those things that he's like, I don't want you to go to business school right now. I want you to actually thrive in a different way and not disengage. So I'm going to have you work at this company for a while. And those are the kinds of things that as Christians, we're asking God for a different result out of our lives. So we need a different process. Yes. We need a God process, not a human process. And so I hear that yeah. so much interwoven into your story. I just bought your book. <laughs> I didn't have a before the interview. I'm so excited. Even the cover is cool. Like I just love your design. Oh, but um, I just I found out that we have a similar hobby. Those who want to read it can can uh, or similar interest in the very first introduction. We have a similar interest to each other. I won't talk about what the interest is just for the sake <laughs> okay. of the crowd. I'll read the book. That's a little um, spoiler. But uh, talk to me about the book a little bit. Why you wrote it? Yeah. Um, what's funny is uh, I I had made a connection with uh, Zondervan and. They asked me, they said, you know, and I had already written, I wrote a book called Outcry. It was kind of about the tour to begin with. And and I'm sure you as an author can attest, like I look back on my first book and I'm like, oh, like I, I've gotten so much better, but I'm like, okay, you know, like got the first book out. And, um, and then they said, what would you write another book about? And I said, man, you know, I'm just so passionate about creativity in the church. And so started, started writing about creativity in the church and I was out on tour writing and had every reason to be. Uh, successful in writing this book, but it was so hard. And it was one of those times where I was like, I had never really, I hadn't really felt like a real strong word from the Lord. I just was like, man, this is an opportunity. I'm going to jump on it. And I struggled for like four months to write a book on creativity. And I loved it. I thought it was so good, but, but it was just like, I didn't have enough content. And one day I was, I was reading just kind of my normal Bible study app, you know, thing and uh, read the story of Joseph. And I broke from my Bible study app and started like go diving deeper. And I'm like, man, this sounds so much like my story. Like this, he's got a dream. He's got this stuff, you know? And, um, and I was praying and I was like, God, do you want me to write this book or the dream book? And I felt clear as day. Like God said, I want you to write the dream book. So I, I called Sonderman and I said, I know we're like, you know, 20,000 words into this book, but I think we need to stop and I think we need to shift. And they said, oh, that sounds great, you know. And um, so I re rebooted it. And, and really, to me, it was the, the, the idea of that when people have big dreams right now, there's, there's such a culture of people going, oh, following Jesus isn't, isn't about dreams. It's not about that. And, and I go, well, no, God is a God of big, big dreams. But so the great. idea that it's going to be like easy or the idea that it's going to look like somebody else, that comparison game that we get into, that's where we have to shift our belief about dreams. We got to know that the dreams that God's leading us to are going to be the most beautiful and the most difficult things that we're ever going to do. And yeah. so I tried to write it in a sense of like, you need this identity foundation with Jesus before you go forward. 
You need to build that identity foundation. You need to understand what your dreams are, that you're stewarding dreams, not that you own them, but that you're stewarding them and kind of unpacking that sort of foundation. That's and so then I good. try to get real practical because I think sometimes these sort of books don't get practical. So I'm like, how do you do it? How do you reach out to people? How do you network in a way that's not like taking advantage of people? How do you, how do you connect with people um, and really start diving into dreams that God's given you with a heart for Jesus, a heart for ministry, and a heart for stewardship of the things that he's given you? Um, and so that's where the book came from. And for me, Sean, like uh, this this was the book that I felt like I woke up every single day excited to write, you know, like I, I was, I was waking up at five in the morning going, God, I cannot wait to dive into the next section of this book, you know? So that's, so. that's where it came from. Yeah. It's so funny because the, the team had told me about it and I was going to read it before we got on the interview and I just was like, didn't have the time, which is funny because we're oh, yeah. in lockdown. I just didn't have the time. <laughs> And then as we're sitting here, I was like, I want to look and see what, because he's a graphic designer, what his cover looks like. And it drew me to the book. I'm like, I have to read this book. Just, <laughs> just who you are in your story, but then also. So I hope you who are listening will also go out and get the book or get it on Kindle. And tell us the name of it, where to get it, and how uh, to get it. Yeah, so it's called Head in the Clouds, Feet on the Ground, which is a bit of a mouthful, but I feel like uh, you'll kind of get it when you read the book. You need that sort of balance, Head in the Clouds and Feet on the Ground. Um, and it's on Amazon. Uh, it's, it's kind of, kind of everywhere, Barnes and Noble. So uh, you could pick it up anywhere. Um, for me personally, I am huge on Instagram. I think everyone has their sort of strength. Instagram is my strength. That's a place where I, I stay. So at Ryan Romeo is a place to connect there. And ryanromeo.com is the website to, to connect to like writings and things like that. That is so awesome. Well, I love where this interview went because I feel like we got to hear, uh, inside of a dreamer's process. And I'm so glad that you're just your message on identity. I know it's a big deal for you. Identity is one of the things you really talk about. And I think uh, just who you are and what you've represented and how you fought behind the scenes for, for not only uh, a movement of outcry, but also for the individuals to really connect and have a real relationship and real, you know, we call it covenant in some circles, you know, where it's like, you're, you're my brother, you know, you're, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to believe in you. And it's had ripple effects on the whole body of Christ. So thank you so much, Ryan, for just everything you brought to the kingdom and keep going. Of course, we know you will. But is there anything on the docket that you guys are doing in the, the future? I know touring is uh, iffy right now because of the, the COVID situation. But what are you guys dreaming of? Yeah, yeah. It's right now we're hitting pause. And honestly, the, Sean, this is a season that um, I'm really praying for new vision. And I think we've got a season coming up where the Lord's going to release a lot of vision um, but I've just been feeling him say, like, just take a deep breath right now. So we don't have anything really planned, which is crazy and weird, you know, but I think that it's I think it's right. And I think this is like a preparation season for this next season. So honestly, oh. I don't know what we're going to be doing. And I'm praying that the Lord's going to reveal it soon. <laughs> it's like I think uh, one of the prophetic words I respect the most right now is Chris Ballatin, who said, you know, before this year started of 2020, he said there's a big reset coming. And for a lot of us. This yes. has been the reset in the midst of what's going on. We, we have to reprioritize and really look at what we're doing and, and only yeah. do what, what's important. And I think that's, you know, family and marriage and all these things that yeah. are the most important are just getting redefined for a lot of people. I love it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on the show today. I so appreciate who you are. Yeah, Sean, thank you so much. It was an honor being on. Well, thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic. I hope you guys enjoyed Ryan. Hope you'll attend an outcry when it goes back on tour and also read his book. I think it's an amazing book. Yeah, from an amazing man and amazing heart. Thanks so much. 
We have some exciting news. We have a new online platform called Bowls Ministries Online Platform. It includes all of our content for one low price. This is all of our e-courses, which is Keyzone's Economy, Prophetic 101, Modern Prophets, Living and Thriving Marriage, God's Secrets. But here's where it gets really interactive. We have a Translating God mentoring platform with new content every week. So weekly teaching videos and group and individual mentoring videos and guest contributors from around the world, weekly prophetic testimonies, weekly Q&A. You're going to love this. This is an interactive platform that invites you to exclusive content for me and guests. There's also an opportunity for you to submit your dreams to interpret. You guys are going to love this. And this is all one low price of $14 a month. And I want you are exploring the prophetic family to join, come be a part of this. It's going to change your life. And I know we're going to enjoy having you. So come visit bowlsministries.com. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles. I want to encourage you to stay involved with us. Continue the conversation online by going to our Facebook page. Sean Bowles is our Facebook public address. Also, you can visit us at www.bowlsministries.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe to it. It's Exploring the Prophetic with Sean Bowles.